Cofield and Company. If you don't answer emails, you suck. Like, you're not even employable in my mind. I think the bottom line is we're all doing very well. Yes, very healthy. Very healthy. This is insane. Guys here every day. We've been doing a show together for like a better part of 15 years. We're like, eh, you got to be careful around them. <laughs> Don't want to irk them. Right, Ari? It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go on a Monday. Cofield and Company. Adam Hill is the company. We're in the Finley Toyota Studios. Crazy day. Crazy day because we had the NBA flush out a bunch of Game 7s. NHL did the same thing. Then we find out this morning that Pete DeBoer has been flushed out after two weeks flailing in the wind, which I still find as absolutely bizarre. And it'll be part of our examination. If you don't know, again, Pete DeBoer fired this morning by the Vegas Golden Knights. It'll be part of our examination later in the show. Is this a job that is coveted? You wonder how much of VGK's dealings with coaches spreads around the league. Remember years ago, Adam, when UNLV dumped nice guy Dave Rice in the middle of a season? And I remember you saying at the time, let's see what happens with this. You know, coaches talk. Let's see how this reflects on the organization in that case, the university. And it didn't reflect well, and they suffered in coaching searches. So, um Listen, you'll tell us as the show moves along if McCrimmon and McPhee are just, you know, still gold, like the highest standard around the league, or if dumping Gallant and DeBoer is going to hurt them in the long run when they're looking for coaches. It's the three on Cofield and Company. So we start out, though, with a little basketball, and this will be something we build on throughout the show because I have a feeling this is going to be a big debate because. This dude has detractors clearly, but also has a lot of backers. And the fact that the Suns got just wrecked at home by the Mavs, just blown off the freaking floor, we come out of that with Chris Paul, Joker. Like, wow, okay. The guy's done a lot in his basketball career, but there's always this underlying, let's get this guy when we can, and we'll play some audio for you later on, Pat Bev. Pat Beverly freaking went off on him succinctly. Yeah. Just destroyed him. Um, Matt Barnes actually came to his defense. We'll have that as the show moves along. Guy has, he has been part of teams that have now blown two nothing leads on five occasions. So, well, and the counter would be, well, he's been part of teams that have had great seasons and been up to nothing in playoff series. Like that's, that's part of it also. Uh, you have to be really good to be in a position where you blow a lot of leads. Mm-hmm. Like, that's fact. And uh, and if you're the home team, I mean, as a higher seed, you should win. Um, if you're the home team and you get out to a 2 nothing start, it's not exactly a lock that you're going to win the series. No. Well, the series, series doesn't, doesn't start. start. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, say it. Say it. Until the, the first time a road team wins. Yep. So if you win 2 nothing at home, you're just holding serve. Like, you haven't done anything yet. Do you think Chris Paul is an old jackass who's not yes. clutch and can't play defense? He's old. He's definitely old. Mm-hmm. And he's a liability defensively, but he always has been. Well, he hasn't always been. Yeah, he has. He's been a seven-time first-team all-defender. That's the NBA. Judging. Okay. I mean, he can't be that bad if he's making the first-team all-NBA defense. Fine. He was, let, let's, he was let, better. Let's, let's say this. 
Has the game changed enough in Chris Paul's time that Chris Paul being a member of the first team defensively years ago doesn't really matter much now at an advanced age and the kind of basketball we're playing? For sure. Uh, definitely the game has changed and, and and put him in a much more difficult position. But I don't like I don't think listen, he's he was better. He wasn't always a complete liability. But he's he was better. But I also think that was a lot of you know d- different opinions and different views of how the game was played and and not, you know, guys weren't isolated as much necessarily as they are. He was a, a good team defender at one point, I think. Um but yeah, I think he's always you've always been able to isolate him and target him a little bit. And now that he's old, you definitely can do it. And and you see it. And it happened. Highlight of the weekend for baseball. Do we just keep mocking on the Reds, even though they actually have been winning of late? Did they really throw a no hitter and lose? No. They didn't throw a no hitter. Okay. Because what? It's not labeled a no hitter. So I, I did not see a single sporting event yesterday, but of course I was getting alerts on my phone like six hours late because of reception wonderful um i heard and and i got so i got a i got an alert at like 11:30 at night or something and it was like reds the, the way it was worded yeah. and this is what i'm getting at the way that it was worded i was like what it was like reds don't allow hit in loss and i was like so they threw a no hitter like why did you say didn't allow hit that's weird and then i you know at three in the morning when i finally got to look at my phone i was like oh okay uh, this makes sense because it was only eight innings, so it doesn't count as a no-hitter. That's why the wording was the way that it was, and obviously they lost. So the, the Reds, who actually have been showing signs of life lately, which I I do think I talked about. Now, they haven't got healthy yet, but they did actually start to show some signs, are now inventing new ways to lose, which is just ridiculous. And by the way, of course, everything relates to fantasy. Uh, I had the opposing pitcher in that game, but he didn't get the win, so uh, that's rough. It's actually uh, happened like seven times. Yeah. I remember one of them as, as a right? Yankee fan. Yeah. yeah. But that was like, Yankee sucked. I mean, it's really how, uh, I mean, I always talk about that era where Steinbrenner got banned from baseball for a couple of years because of the Howie Spear stuff because he was trying to dig up dirt on his own players. And Steinbrenner couldn't touch the team. And as a result, the baseball people were like, yeah, we're not going to do more Jay Buhner trades. All right. Enough. Well, so what, so that, get- that actually allowed them to keep, that allowed them to keep, uh, the core of Pettit and Rivera and Jeter without shipping them off for some 38-year-old pitcher, you know, quick fix. Guy. But anyway. And those, once, those, once you get mocked on Seinfeld for a trade, too. That's... Those couple of years, because uh, I think, actually, I, I'm misstating it. Those couple of years actually led to drafting Jeter, if I'm correct. But anyway, they, it, like people are like, oh, Yankees have been great forever. They were really bad. Uh, late 80s, early 90s for a couple of years, and that allowed him to get some high draft picks. But Andy Hawkins was like part of that, you know, before that was like Steve Trout. Terry Mulholland came in. Like, there was just a cavalcade of just crap pitchers. And Andy Hawkins was one of those guys, like, yeah, this guy's a quality guy from, you know, the Padres. He comes in, like, he, he threw a no hitter and they lost. It's like, Jesus. <laughs> a lot of support. Thanks for the support, guys. Yeah. That, so. when, when you do that, when you throw a no hitter and lose, and again, it's not a no hitter because it's only eight innings, which right. is the, you know, the, the clarification there. When you don't allow a hit as a team and lose, yeah. it's, it's not only that you weren't hitting. You also usually had to have played pretty bad defense. Yeah, there has to be a mistake. Like, in there. Like Along a, with walks, there has to be a really bad mistake. It's a two. combination of two yeah, things. Yeah. I mean, it's possible to score a run, yeah. just you know, manufacturing it. But yeah, usually it's that you weren't playing great defense and you weren't hitting, which is just the ultimate of letting down your pitcher. If the both of the other areas of the game are are failing, you know what's funny about it is that uh, with the way their season started at three and twenty-two, and I think they're like nine and twenty-five now. 
that Hunter Green, who throws you know 114 miles an hour as a young guy and, and, and was getting killed in some of these games, the fact that he actually, I mean, he walked five. The fact that he went out and you know didn't allow a hit, you're like, eh, something to build on. Like that's your your goals are so diminished. He's, like any any morsel of positivity, you're like, eh, okay, it's a good sign. Should be new school baseball. Like that, his arm is going to fall off, right? Like the guy throws, he, I think one game he threw over 137 different times. That was the record. That's nuts. Yep. You can't do that. Uh, I mean, if it's free-flowing and it's, it's he's doing it easily. That's crazy. I mean, it, do, it does seem like a lot of the 100-mile-an-hour guys have come up with some kind of arm injury. Like, you could dial it down a little bit. <laughs> I, would, I would think so. But there's more of them coming. There's more of them coming. I mean, the Cardinals have, what is his name, uh, Helsley? Uh, bullpen dude. He's throwing like 102 <laughs> last week. So it's crazy. But I also think, like, it, uh, bullpen guys are different, right? I mean, th- th- you yeah. come in for... Maybe that maybe it's worse. I don't know if it's better or worse. It's I mean, name, name all the starters who throw ninety eight to one hundred miles an hour. They've all. It seems I don't think they're. It's all. I'd have to look through a whole list, but you know, between Degrom and you know, Syndergaard was up there. You know, guys do seem to run into some troubles at some point. You'd think so, and but he's watching. But what, but what do you do? You tell Hunter Green like, hey, you can throw one hundred and two. You know, just buzz it up there at ninety six, and then he's getting rocked. He's like, screw it, man, I want to throw one hundred and two. Well, if you get 96 with movement, it's pretty, it's pretty effective. So how the hell did you manage? Uh, what was the name of it? Lovers and friends. Yeah. They had two stages, and like, were they back to back? Four, four. Yeah. What about the two main stages? Were they close to each other? Yeah, they were literally. They were one. It was one big stage. Yeah. And one, they would be setting up one. Oh, act. that's how they did the switcher. Because I noticed yeah. there are so many groups and artists who were going to play them. Like, because I've been to a couple of those collaboration shows. Like, I think I went to one at Mandalay Bay at Mandalay Beach, like maybe seven years ago, with a bunch of '80s bands, and like the time between the bands was interminable and then they would come up and do like hey get two songs well three songs and then you shift out like okay good i mean i, I so thought they were was, doing the shifting out on the opposite stage i pointed out that i thought it was good that like i mean there were so many there were so many acts i think there was over f- like 40 acts and like they only got like 20 minutes each for most of the side stages and even the early shows on the main stages but i was like a couple of my friends were like well that I, I want to hear more, and I was like, "No, like it's perfect. Give, so, give me your six hits and go. Yeah, yeah. Like let, let's go." And like, there's some groups. Obviously, Jodeci, one of my favorite groups of all time. Like I would have loved to see them do more, but like that was cool. <laughs> like Warren G showed up. He did. He did 20 minutes. That was like it was incredible. Like, was he scheduled? Uh, he, I think it was a late edition oh, wow. because there's a couple cancellations. Uh, I think Brandy got COVID. Um, there was a couple other, uh, a couple other like late. Moves, but I mean, when this schedule was announced, it was so good on paper. Yeah. I, I don't know if people like were paying attention that uh, most people were like, "That's fake. It's right. not real." Right? There's no way, There's no way they're going to get all these people. That here. All these names are performing now. Right. It's names from like the '90s and early 2000s for the most part, but it it happened and it was it was incredible. I mean, it was it was unbelievable. Now there was there's some complaints for sure that I know a lot of people had on Twitter. First of all, Saturday night, how many people heard that sucks. A false alarm and people started running yeah. and trampling and that's awful. Uh, yesterday though, it was very very hot. I mean, it was it was insane. I'm shocked. You're uh, I'm I looked at you walking in. You do appear to have put some sunscreen somewhere because you're not scalded, but you are limping. I well, two things. One, uh, I put probably maybe too much sunscreen on. My eye was bright red and puffy <laughs> yesterday because it all leaked into my eye. Yeah, that's the worst. And so for like six hours, I couldn't see. Uh, Folks, that was new fun. to the show. These are the struggles of Adam Hill out in the sun. He's lived in Las Vegas for what thirty plus years. Can't figure it and out. every year is Groundhog Day. He can't get the right formula. He either gets scalded on his face, his uh, not so balding head, or 
Uh, this time, his eye was all blown up. So uh, it was. It's always an adventure. To where, like, everybody I ran into that I knew yesterday was like, what's wrong with your eye? I'm like, <laughs> sunscreen's in it. Well, you recovered quickly. Did you flush it out with all the water that was available? Well, uh, they they were better yesterday with the water. Okay, I heard the, the uh, available water was a little tough. But it, so it was really hot. Yeah. And, the, and there, like, I was there the entire day. So noon until almost 1 a.m. Wow, look at you. Um, I will say that, the, like, the people that complain, it's legitimate. But... There's going to be things that happen. It was incredibly hot to where, like, like some of the artists, T-Pain was struggling. But he was, like, making a thing out of it. He'd be like, yo, man, it's hot up here. He looked thinner. <laughs> well, I think he had to do some cardio for this show. Yeah, just right he before he was, he was running be, in the back. He's, he's just, the like, treadmill. rubbing sweat off the whole man, time. It's hot, man. Uh, guys are running out. Like, you uh, know, he did, a, he did a cameo on at least one uh, Taffer show. Really? Yeah, he was, like, the, uh, the celebrity expert. Okay. I think it was in Sacramento. It was a Sacramento sports bar, and Taffer's like, there's no sports here. No one cares. And then, and then the best part was he he pulls out a piece of paper because the owner's like, the owner's got all these collectibles, right? And and Taffer's like, it's a tourist area, dude. You sports fans are not coming here. Like, use the charm of old Sacramento. Screw the sports theme. And he's like, he's like, no one here cares about sports. I'm looking at the ratings. The sports radio station is 21st. It sucks. I'm like, oh, oh man. Oh, no. We know people who do sports radio there. Okay. Poor guys. I think they do well, though. That, oh, I think they do. Uh, it's not about the rating. It's about time spent listening. Exactly. Uh, Mace, anyway, so back back to no, T Pain having a tough time. So that point, and like to your point about like how quickly like they were, it was a schedule. Yeah, there was a schedule on this thing. Well, what I saw another one uh, was it Mace was like all pissed off. Like he's he's shout, was he shouting out freaking P Diddy? I don't, I don't know. That was Saturday. On. Okay. Saturday, like, cut, they cut oh, him off. Someone paid some but money. They, like, they did it again yesterday. Yeah. They, they, they cut him off again yesterday. But also, <laughs> his, whoever was like running, like his DJ and whoever was running his set, yeah. there was a point where, and I was, if you watch, uh, plug my Instagram, if you go watch my Instagram story, like I was right on stage with Mace, basically. It was all, I, I was like, there? I'm going I heard up there. There was like a VIP barrier and only the special people could get up there. He um, still has it on. He's got the bracelet I, on. I asked Jared to go get me scissors. I can't find scissors. To cut nice. But yeah, was, you don't have scissors at home. Yeah, bro. I did. You know what? I have some, and I, I went to use them, and they're you know they're like the middle is just falling apart. They're useless now. It doesn't actually cut right. anymore. Holiday uh, gift. But it's almost cut off. Um, but like so, Mace at one point he was like he was doing a chorus of a song, and he's like, all right, let's do that again because he wanted the crowd to do it so that he could take a break. That was what he was doing, and they were like. They just played his next song, and he's like, I guess I don't get a break. Like, this sucks. And they're like, you got oh, to awesome. go, man. So you got to go. Test of the gas tank. It was, it was crazy. But you will be also happy to know, because I know you love my feet issues. Uh, first of all, over 40,000 steps, which is, that's nuts. Impressive. Uh, the the asphalt burned a hole in the bottom of my shoes. Believable. <laughs> so Doesn't happen to many, but uh, it would happen to you. Yeah, so it is, uh, it's ugly. It, it was totally worth it, though. Like, everybody that complained, all, there were so many complaints about it. It was unbelievable. It was such a great show. Like, I, no matter what it was, totally worth it. Well, if you think there was some infighting with uh, the folks at Lovers and Friends, we're going to get you updated on what's going on with the Vegas Golden Knights because Kelly McCrimmon put on a good face today, even complimented Pete DeBoer. But they fired him this morning, so we'll examine what's going on. There were a lot of supporters on this show who thought DeBoer deserved a chance to come back. Apparently not. The uh, boss on down from Bill Foley to McPhee to uh, GMKM said, sorry, PDB, you're out. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. This organization wants to win, and they want to win now. And they're willing to provide whatever resources to the players, to the coaches, 
to the fans in order to chase a Stanley Cup. And there's casual to those decisions, but they're always with the mind of moving the team a step closer to, to winning a Stanley Cup. That's what I love about the organization. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota studio. studio. Hey, dark day for the Vegas Golden Knights. Pete Tabori here and there. Fired. Sucks. Uh, that was him lauding the organization back on November 4th for... Trading for Jack Eichel. My how things have changed. Yes, it didn't work out. Uh, are you surprised today that Pete DeBoer has been fired? Not, not really. I mean, I think. Well, first of all, if I mean the way thing, the way that they handle things, it's always weird. So, like, I don't even know why I would question it. But to to wait a couple weeks after <laughs> after the season is over is a little bit strange. Uh, but I think that's usually because they're waiting to see you know what who to replace them with, and I think that's the right thing to do. Like we we've talked about this a lot with coaches, right? Of if you make a move, you better do you better get someone better. Same with quarterbacks in the NFL, right? If you're going right. to make a move, you got to get somebody better. So to me, if the Golden Knights were waiting to see if somebody better came along and was interested, that makes some sense. But they better have somebody in mind. It better not be you fire him two weeks later and then still are like, well, we're going to embark on a coaching search now and try to try to figure it out. Now you're going to say that anyway, but you know you better have somebody in mind that's going to be better. And and I think one of the things that that I took away from McCrimmon and and you heard it really specifically in that soundbite right there was they are trying to capture something. And, and I think you heard it in the in the exit interviews, you know. I was going to say last week, was it two weeks ago now when we were in there in that room for, you know, a couple hours listening to everybody and, and kind of over and over again, you heard the, you know, things are different. There's no chip on the shoulder, you know, that kind of thing. And they're trying to figure out a way to capture that. It's funny. I saw uh, Ryan Reeves Rangers locker room speech over the weekend where he was like going forward, back and forth across the room. He was doing the introductions. Was that what he was doing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he was like starting at the fenceman. Right. So Adam Fox. So is that one of the? Is that? I mean, you said it. I mean, is that one of the things well, that's missing? So Guys like that. It's it's even if they're not great players, they're outspoken. It was really fascinating. And again, going back to that exit exit interview day, because a lot of the things were said over and over again. And I know people want to have their own narratives about the goaltending, and that's what the issues were. Guy after guy after guy said, without saying his name. But they were like, we had that fourth line that set the tone for everything, that even started games, mm-hmm. that would come in and intimidate people and, you know, be the the sandpaper and to, you know, all these different things that they were clearly talking about Ryan Reeves. And it doesn't have to be Ryan Reeves. It could right. be a, a similar type player. But over and over and over again, they were saying the same thing about what this team was missing. And then I tweeted that out. I was like, wow. Really, really interesting to me that so many guys would point this out without using his name, but basically saying we miss Ryan Reeves. And then I think 90% of the responses were, you mean 29? Like, no, that's not what they said. They weren't in there saying, hey, we miss our goalie. They're in the saying we miss Ryan Reeves. Specifically, again, not the name, but what he brought to the team. Like, that's the kind of things they were missing. So 
Um, I, I don't know if a new coach necessarily goes and finds that guy or if a new coach is that guy. Can a coach be that guy? I don't necessarily think so. Um, but they're trying to recapture, you know, from McCrimmon to Foley to, to the players, said we are missing some of what we had. And and some of the players also said, listen, you're you're not going to get that again. That was a bunch of guys that were cast off that nobody wanted. Now it's now it's even some of those same guys. Like William Carlson was a cast off nobody wanted, had a career year. But now he's not that anymore. He's a very highly paid, very highly thought of player. Like you're 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 not the he's not the same guy. It's not just that they brought in new guys. It's that the guys are in different places in their career and it's it's not you're not going to recapture that same thing. And by the way, I know people don't want to hear it. Like that team wasn't really good on paper. It wasn't. We talked about that all year. Like, what is this going to end? It's not sustainable. And finally it did at the end of the year. But like these teams are better than those teams. It's just there's been injury problems. There's been other things. There's been things that just didn't come together. There was a COVID year where maybe they would have, you know, had a lot more success that season. Like there's been things that got in their way, but this team is better than those teams talent wise. Pete DeBoer fired. Here's Kelly McCrimmon on making these sorts of decisions. You do uh, what you believe in your heart to be the right thing. And uh, I've said to you, you uh, people different times, it's uh, uh, usually not the easiest thing. It would have been easy for us to uh, to march ahead, but uh, I really felt there was an opportunity here uh, to help our team with a change. There, that's that's uh, that's the bottom line. So, uh, you know, you trust your judgment as a manager. We went through a process where, you know, you evaluate the discussion and the decision based on any, you know, any different number of parameters or or uh, or talking points. But at the end of the uh, process. Uh, it speaks to your judgment, and uh, and that was the decision that we uh, felt was the right one. Do you believe there's actually a process, or will you stick with, hey, they're just waiting to see if there's a better option? Like, well, did it really take did it really take the two plus weeks to go through a whole process? I think there might be a, pro- a process, um, but I, like I said, I they better have somebody in mind, or some or somebody's. I think they've had some. Well, I can't say they've had Barry Trotz in mind. From, you know, the end of the season because he wasn't available right. until last week. But I, I think they knew where they were going with DeBoer in the, probably the last week of the season. Yeah. Well, once that he was on thin ice. Nice pun. Uh, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean yes. do you really Do you really think is do you think it's an intense? I mean, to me, like, they didn't respond great down the stretch. They actually were getting healthy. They were still losing to less than stellar teams. And then frankly, and I I guess I admire him for kind of calling it out cuz he was put in this weird position, but Pete DeBoer was insubordinate. In what he was saying. He did what they wanted him to do, but the stuff with with Leonard, it's like basically he's like, eh, "I'm playing him, but I really don't want to." And you can't do that in public and then expect unless there's some peace offering on both sides. I mean, he, you can't you can't expect to keep your job when when you fell short and you're you're poking upstairs. Well, he was and he wasn't. I, I think he was insubordinate in the fact of I just don't think they wanted him to talk about it at all. I think they wanted him to avoid like any of those discussions. And he said, you know, he said like, two weeks ago, he was like, I should not have said he's healthy. He wasn't. Yeah. Like I shouldn't have said that. And so I, I think that they wanted him to just not comment on whether or not Leonard was healthy because he clearly was not. And he went out and said he's he-, he was frustrated. And then the other time when he said. This is why we pay him, which was an indication of like, hey, we're playing him even though he shouldn't be playing because we pay him a lot of money. 
And like those those things were an issue. Like that that's a problem in this organization. They don't want you talking about any of those things. So those things were a problem. But I also I feel like yeah, it wasn't like it came from out of nowhere. Like they didn't make this decision today. Obviously, I think that they were they were waiting around to say, okay, are we going to be able to make an improvement? Is there going to be somebody out there that'll be a better coach in our minds? And I think that they probably made that decision. Yes, although. It's not a slam dunk that they go in the direction that everybody just assumes are going now. Like, there are other possibilities out there. The crew over at Finley Toyota speak Spanish, Thai, and even Persian. In fact, they speak 14 different languages. Come in and talk the universal language of big savings today. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota studio. studio. So the news is pretty fresh. Pete DeBoer out. I know he had a lot of supporters on this show. Adam Candy really went to bat for him, uh, whatever it was, about 10 days ago. I thought it was weird that you were just having the guy flail, you know, for two weeks, not knowing. Um, I also, as this discussion moves along, I think it's tough to, I, I guess it can be two separate things, but it's tough to hear that the primary reason the Knights fell short, underachieved, was because of whatever, you know, 550 games missed. Then I guess Pete DeBoer did a decent job having them right on the brink of the playoffs. So, I mean, I, it, it both can be true, but it seems to be a little bit weird because the management's totally behind this. We heard George McPhee on the podcast in Canada, you know, eight games missed. You know, he said yeah, he, he thought it was the best team they've had the whole time. He said, we'll never know. Yeah. Um, in the press conference today, Kelly McCrimmon talking about the firing of Pete DeBoer and starting to look ahead a little bit and was asked about uh, it being a quick process or maybe not. Yeah, it'll be lengthier, and again, I touched on it earlier, that's what the offseason allows you to do, so we'll, uh, we'll be thorough. We'll be thorough. We'll look at, uh, uh, we'll look at all the candidates that we can identify. Uh, we'll you know, work with uh, you know, people in our organization that might have uh, past affiliations with coaches or ideas. We'll uh, solicit opinions from our pro staff, uh, you know, from our amateur staff that are people that are involved in the game. Uh, at different levels, uh, you know, obviously my own uh, contacts, George McPhee, uh, similarly, uh, will identify who the candidates are and, and uh, go through an interview process with are them. Are we coming in next Monday and they have a, uh, they have a coach in place? End of this week. Do you think that, like you keep saying, they were waiting. You think they were waiting to see who was available and they have a replacement ready? By Monday? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's not a long process. No. Process. It's not a long process at all. Um, and the good thing is the competition for gigs. The Islanders bumped up. You know, they got rid of Trotz. They bumped up one of their assistants. The other jobs are what? Detroit, Philly, the Peg, and Chicago. I mean, Chicago's an appealing. Okay. Detroit seems to be on the rise a little bit. But, I mean, they're, obviously, this is the most attractive job. There's not even There's not a question. McCrimmon also talked about what Bill Foley had to say and what his role in this whole thing is. Well, Bill's been involved uh, from day one, and he's, you know, that expansion year, I keep uh, talking to you guys about that different times. So not the inaugural season where we were playing, but the expansion year where we were meeting uh, so regularly uh, gave Bill a great opportunity to learn, gave Bill a great opportunity to, to work with uh, uh, the people in the organization. I think he's got a great deal of confidence in, uh, in George McPhee and myself. Uh, he's always been involved. So I know the article uh, that you're referring to, um, you know, we, 
he's included in everything that we do. This uh, this decision is a is a real good example where, you know, after uh, George and I made a final decision, we went to Bill. Bill, uh, Bill is supportive. So he's supportive. We know he is because McCrimmon mm-hmm. kept his job and the coach is out. Yeah, the the. <laughs> The organization made its choice. Now, I mean, the question was, is it the coach or is it management? Yeah. So management's still in place. They're going to be looking for a new coach. Now, all of that said, I thought McCrimmon on multiple occasions was pretty strong in saying he thought Pete DeBoer did a pretty good job. We had a lot of success with Pete. You know, I, I, uh, I'm i not going to stand here and be critical of Pete. I think he's a really good coach. He's a good man. He's a good friend. So uh, that's not part of it today for me. It's uh, it's about looking ahead, and I know I've said that a number of times. It's not a cop-out. It's genuinely the basis of how these decisions are made. That's, uh, that's how you arrive at it. Yeah, I don't have a lot more to offer uh, on that. There you go. We'll, we'll throw some Willie Ramirez questions in in the 5 o'clock hour. I thought Willie went for the jugular asking if they regret getting rid of Gerard Gallant, which is an impossible question for any management person to answer publicly. You can't win. Yeah, and and as McCrimmon alluded to there, like it's not like it went south when they made the move. Well, it didn't, it didn't go south. Obviously, the power play has been an issue the entire time. The goalie drama last year, you know, it, it jacked him up. In some ways, two years ago, really, right? That was COVID two years ago, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but the way you describe it, and you know, going back to the player exit interviews where they were, you know, they were talking about they're they're trying to get back to something, right? And you said you don't think a coach can do it. I think that's it has to start with a coach, and then there's got to be a couple of player led dudes. But it sounds like they want like Gerard Gallant, but who likes analytics, right? Well, it sounds like they want. High-paid players who have had a lot of success, but who play like they're cast-offs. That's what. Which where are you going to do that? Right, you can't. That's what I'm saying. So so for you, does that mean that does that mean there there needs to be significant roster turnover? Like you brought up a good example, and you're not. I don't think you're questioning Wild Bill's effort, but like the misfits had success and then they got paid. Like as an organization, now do you have to have? You know, role players who aren't high paid, and you have to get rid of some of the guys that, hey, you know what? They maxed out their value. No, I think, and I think that that goes back to what we're saying. You need, you, I don't like, I just keep saying the same guy. It's not, you don't need Ryan Reeves. Right. You need a Ryan Reeves. Yeah. Like, you need that guy in the locker room who, first of all, lightens things up and, and keeps, keeps it light, but also knows when it's like, hey, it's go time. Like, it's time to play and yeah. holding guys accountable. And, not not that they're not there, but you have guys like now your your leadership is guys like Mark Stone, who is an ideal he's what you would look at as a captain in hockey, but he's not a vocal get in your face type of guy. That's not who he is. So like you don't need it to be your captain, but you need that guy in your locker room. And when you don't have Ryan Reeves there, yeah. like again, I know what I know how people feel. I listen, I see it on Twitter. Stop talking about Ryan Reeves. He sucks. Scored two goals. Whatever. Like, okay. It's not. You, you said it when he was here. It's not what he brings to the table. It's, you're not going to see numbers. Right. It's an intangible thing. And so while the, the coach does have to bring some of that, they're going to have to find some answers to guys who can light a fire under less of the dudes. They're asking for it. They, like the other players, they're like, yeah, I'm just not that guy. They're not saying that. Public. But essentially, they're admitting that. Like, hey, we're missing something. Yeah. So this isn't just the coach. I think is going to have to be 
a little more fiery, but they're going to have to they're going to have to make some moves here. And again, we'll examine it later on because McCrimmon was also asked, you know, do you guys examine yourselves at all? You know, it was like because you've made mistakes here. You had a lot of high dollar guys, and then you come out of a season and you're telling us like you don't have enough fire in the locker. Well, you're the one who put the team together. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield and Co. Oh, that one is hammered, and you can forget about that one. He's done it again. Wow! That is crushed. A two-run job for Otani. Two-nothing Angels. Amanito, amazing. Shohei, a blast. He gives no Fs, and that's why you love him. It's Dave Koken on Cofield and Company. Angels continue to roll. You hear Angels TV there. Otani with another home run. Let's bring in our buddy Dave Koken, wagertalk.com, Adam Hill, Cofield. What's up, Dave? How are you? I'm enjoying the Angels because they're fun to watch. Uh, Ward is having a great breakout season. Trout and Otani are dynamite. The pitching's been good. I, this team's for real this year. Uh, it's going to be a fun race in the West between them and the Astros. Yeah, they're so good. I, you know, I pointed out middle of last week I'd gone out to the Aviators game and Joe Adele, who's an absolute stud, you know, can't carve out his time yet with the Angels. Yeah, I, they're just loaded. And uh, look, it's been unfulfilled potential the last few years, but it looks like it's all coming together this time around. And they also appear to have great chemistry too. That's important. Let's uh, let's build on that when we get to. Uh, that part of the night's discussion, let's start at the front end here. The big news of the day in Las Vegas, Pete DeBoer, you know, a couple of weeks, he actually spoke to the media with his job a status still up for grabs, and now he's been fired. Do you like the move by the Golden Knights? Well, I think we were all pretty much in agreement something was going to happen and someone was going to go. I was kind of playing toward McCrimmon, um, but GMs and upper office guys generally don't fire themselves, <laughs> so the coach uh, becomes the one to go. Something had to change because this was a flop this season. You can say, yeah, they had a lot of injuries. They did. But it did appear that there was some, speaking of chemistry, issues on this team. And they need to uh, clean the slate and start all over again, I guess. We, we were just discussing, you know, we keep using the name Ryan Reeves, but it doesn't have to be him. It could be somebody like him. To a man, almost every single guy on the team said that that fourth line you know, the, the guy that will fire you up, the intimidation factor, those are the things that are missing from this team. Would you agree watching them? You know, it's it's funny. I, I don't know if you saw this, but whichever network was doing the Rangers-Penguins series showed a pregame where it was Ryan Reeves announcing the starting lineup in the Rangers dressing room and really firing the team up. Now, we never got access to that uh, when he was with the Golden Knights, but you can imagine it was somewhat the same. Guys like that are important, and I think they did miss presence of Reeves and maybe a couple of guys like that this season. The other thing that we were kind of discussing, and I want to get your take on this for uh, for sure, if somebody who's been watching hockey for a little bit longer uh, than we have, like there are guys that like, a, and I don't want to pick on William Carlson because I actually think he's still a really, really good defensive player, but he had a breakout year after being kind of a cast off, not a cast off anymore. He got paid and he's in a different situation. Like, and there's a lot of guys like that on this roster. Like, is that something that can happen? Can guys get paid and get content? Um, I don't know if it's content as much as maybe they just kind of had one of those fluke years. Uh, Carlson's, Carlson's not a superstar. Uh, he never was. But he had that one incredible year here where, you know, Wild Bill. And uh, but he's just not a 40-goal guy. He's more of a 
15 to 20 goal guy who does play both ends of the ice. So let's not take away from his abilities. He's good at what he does. But I think the expectations became a little bit too high for him. And I, I think at one point, maybe this is something I did have a bit of an issue with, with DeBoer this season. I think it was time to break up that line. I know they've been together forever, but, you know, if the Bruins can break up a line like Bergeron, the perfection line, because they've got to balance things a little bit, maybe the Golden Knights could have done the same thing. They just weren't getting production uh, the way they needed to, and the offense became a big problem for this team. So who's the right guy to step in now? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, the natural inclination is to say Barry Trotz, but I'm not sure his style of play would be suitable to uh, what Las Vegas fans like because his teams are not exciting to watch. Uh, they're strictly system teams. I don't know. I, I, maybe a young guy who's on the way up. Maybe somebody who's impressed him at the minor league level. Um, maybe the guy in, in Henderson. I, I don't know. I don't think they necessarily have to go to a big name. They've got to go to somebody who's going to get this team to play together and get the excitement back because I think it was lacking this year. The RJ's list... Mostly big names. Um, you mentioned Trotz, Rick Tockett. Also on the list, John Tortorella. That would seem to be an interesting match with uh, management. Yeah. That would that would go well for about maybe a year. But it, it could be a hell of a year. Okay. Uh, Claude Julian, Paul Maurice, who's good buddies with DeBoer. Interest in either one? No. No. I, I'm not interested in Maurice uh, and not on Julian. He's. I, I. I don't really want the retreads. I'm not. I guess it's gonna. Sound, I know Trotz sounds popular, but most of the old guys don't. I don't know whether it works out. I'll tell you who I throw out there. If you're looking at an old guy and you can put the mishap in Florida behind him, is is Quenville. Guy's a terrific coach. That's where I was going. Second most wins in NHL history. Um, more than a, a mishap. I guess you'd, we have to find out more about the story, but it was pretty horrific what went down in Chicago. It was, and I, I think that's the only reason that he's not in the league at this point. I don't know if it's going to be a lifetime sentence, uh, and I'm not sure it should be. Adam, what do you think? He's on your papers list. You were joking about it last week. Yeah, I just I think there's a lot to learn. I, I don't know about, that, about what really happened. Yeah, and I don't know that there's enough. Uh, listen, and, and McCrimmon said, "Hey, we've got time. That's why you know that's one of the ben- benefits of getting eliminated early. They got time with him uh, for sure, right? Yeah. Do you think anyone else is going to be looking no. to hire him? No, but I mean, you know, they do have their time to figure out and, and do their research and talk to enough people, I suppose. Yeah, but that seems like a more long term, you know, figuring out than it does a short term, you know." Let's let's well, do a job hunt. I would also guess they did some back if they really want if they're interested in the guy they started doing background stuff on him months ago. Dave, let's look at the uh, the series that are starting up here in the NHL. Uh, give me your side. Tell me if you you bet it. Uh, Panthers and the Lightning. I haven't bet anything yet. I'm going to work more on them tonight because okay. nothing started yet. Uh, Florida is, is is capable of winning everything. Um, I, they can be very inconsistent within within a 60-minute time frame, but find a way to win the game anyway. They're a dangerous team. Uh, but I don't know, quite frankly, if they're going to get by the Lightning, who are still the two-time defending champions, and we just saw, found a way to win against a team that probably had better talent than they do. Along those lines, when you talk about Florida, like they, for all intents and purposes, probably should have lost that series, right? I mean, they, 
they were behind in the third period like every game, and they found a way. Do we take more that they found a way to win or that they were in trouble in every single game? They, but this is something that's been with them all year. They've, I don't have the stats handy, but they've, the number of third-period comebacks they've had is insane, and that's what you can do when you've got an offense that good. So Vasilevsky's going to have to be at his best in this series, and quite frankly, he's going to have to be better than he was in the Toronto series where he wasn't at his best until the last game where I thought Big Vaz really stood up and played like the great goaltender he is. He's going to have to stay hot because this Florida team has amazing firepower. You want to take a shot at uh, St. Louis plus 330? Abs are 4-10 for the series. I, I, well, this has been the nightmare series for Colorado, the second round. Uh, but they're off. They're, they're just so good. They're the best team in the league. And so, no, I really don't want to take a shot. But if in the series we start to see the Avalanche mm-hmm. have the issues they've had in the past couple of years, in the second round, might be time to get involved with taking the Blues on a game-by-game basis. Do you, I mean, do you prefer a team that was able to kind of ease their way through the round and had a little bit of rest, yeah. or would you rather see a team that had, was more battle-tested in the first round? No, I, I, I'd rather have the team that had it easy. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, seri- I, look, I think Calgary's better than Edmonton, but my first impulse is to look at the Oilers because I know the series went seven, but it wasn't nearly as tough and physical a series as Calgary had. That was a rough series that Calgary had with Dallas. And I think the Oilers, in addition to having an extra day, are just going to be the fresher team physically. That might be the dog that I'm most interested in. Dave Koken with us. WagerTalk.com. Dave, let's close on uh, where we started uh, with some baseball. Um, I feel like I want to run with the Red Sox for the next couple of weeks. Um, and on the flip side, I remember asking you two weeks ago, I'm like, what's wrong with the Astros? Well, there was nothing wrong with them. No. The Astros started uh, kicking some booty, so... Do you see the Red Sox starting to move back towards 500? Uh, I mean, the offense came alive a little bit. Yeah, against Texas. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, they're, I, plus I, one, they're plus 130 today. Jake Odorizzi's on the other side. Yeah, Red Sox actually opened the favorite in that game. I'm sorry. They're minus 130. My bad, my bad. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, so yeah. The line's going up. Yeah. They're betting the, uh, the Red Sox, and it looks like a sharp money bet on the Red Sox. I don't know. I'm not going against Houston. They've won what, 12 out of 13, and they're just killing the ball offensively. And Whitlock's not a long-distance pitcher, so they're going to get that dicey Red Sox bullpen probably for four innings or more. That's not, not the type of team I want. I think Houston wins. We, uh, we ride in the Angels with Syndergaard at minus 140 against the Rangers? Not going against them, that's for sure. Uh, John Gray will have to be at his best tonight. He's, he's got the talent to do it, but he's been off for a while, so we don't even know how long he's going to go because he had the knee injury in his last start, and I have no idea whether he's on a pitch count or not. I feel like the A's can play some winning baseball because they're getting pitching now, but my God, their bats are so inconsistent. Today, they're basically in a in a pick'em situation with Archer, who's been terrible against uh, you know one of the A's bright young pitchers. The offense is just awful, yeah. and I, I've made this comment before. It's, it's the worst lineup in baseball by a pretty good margin. It's worse than the Pirates. It's worse than the Reds. It's a lot worse than the Reds. Yeah. Uh, they can pitch a little bit, but you got you have to hit the ball on occasion. And WRC plus of less than 70 uh, over a month into the season, that tells you their offense really sucks. Dave, you got any hockey videos coming out next couple days for these series on uh, Wager Talk? Uh, not, not hockey. Probably have baseball in the next couple of days, though. All right. WagerTalk.com. That's where you find it. Dave, appreciate it. Thank you. See you guys. There he is. Dave Koken. Baseball's been tough. The grind. 
Well, it's the, it's the, I hate playing totals and it's just the unders are just, they're, they're such money right now. There's so many teams that can't freaking hit. You look at awful <laughs> pitching matchups, you know, you fire up 11 and a half on the board and it's, it's, you know, there's no shot. <laughs> it is, I, it is the worst. I will say, I mean, it was a, it was a big price, but the Dodgers yesterday, and I know they'd struggled to get there. That was one of the best bets I've seen in a long time, and it barely got there. To give you the latest update on Tua and Deshaun Watson on the way back.